I'm obsessed with the Amazon Echo Frames. Alexa can now answer your door. How much would you have if you invested $1,000 in a hot tech IPO? Plus, your tech questions answered. What's going on? I'm Rich Demiro, and this is Rich on Tech, the podcast where I talk about the tech stuff I think you should know about. And it's also the place where I answer the questions you send me, and believe you me, yes, send a lot of them. And you might be surprised that I actually respond to a majority of them, whether it's by Instagram at richontech, facebook.com slash richontech, hello at richontech.tv, carrier pigeon, I don't know, see me in the streets, ask me a question. That rarely happens right now because I'm not out and about as much as I used to be. Again, my name is Rich Demiro, tech reporter at KTLA Channel 5 in Los Angeles. Welcome to the show. I say show because I hope that this entertains you, informs you, makes you want to listen again. That's the whole goal of this, right? Is to really just share some knowledge. And I don't have the answers to everything. Believe me, I don't. But I try to answer questions that represent what you're sending in, what you're asking me, and hopefully things that can help other people at large. Because, you know, we we think as techies that, well, I don't, but some people think that everyone has the answer when it comes to tech. And we don't. We're all just learning. We're all just figuring this stuff out. And sometimes you just got to go hands-on and and try it and see and, you know, just see what's going on with some of this stuff. And one of the things that I played around with uh, last week, which was really, really cool, is the Cadillac Escalade 2021 edition. This has GM Super Cruise. And not just Super Cruise, because that's been around for a while, but this one had Super Cruise along with hands-free, well, hands-free, I guess, driving, and then auto lane change. And let me tell you, it was seriously, seriously cool. I mean, I just loved the ability to set this car into hands-free mode, basically drives itself, and then if you want to change lanes, it changes lanes. And here's the best part about how it changes lanes. It's not like me when I change lanes. I kind of creep over because I'm a little scared there might be a car in my blind spot. No, no, no. This thing, even though it's a giant car, has so much big data surrounding it with all the sensors and you know cameras and whatever it's using to figure this stuff out that it just changes lanes when it knows it can. There's no hesitation. There's no wishy-washiness. It just sort of works. And it was impressive. $106,000 car, so I'm not buying it anytime soon. But it was a really beautiful car. I love where this is going. And I think it's just really nice to realize that Tesla is not the only company in town when it comes to the, the smart driving stuff and the hands-free driving. I think that they're way ahead of everyone. But these historic car companies are not going to just kind of not figure this stuff out, right? They are going to, it took them a little bit longer, but they're getting there. And the next car that I'll be testing, doing, so I used to do this thing called Tech Report Test Drive long time ago at KTLA. And then I kind of stopped. I was only doing hybrids, you know, like I wanted to do any car that's sort of a, a, um, you know, not just a gas car. Now the Escalade, yes, it was full gas and only, you know, 14 miles to the gallon, but you know, that's, it's because it had a feature that's unique. The hands-free was unique, but also the, the auto lane change was brand new. 
So for that reason, I make an exception. But I generally like to test cars that are alternative. You know, they have a, a either hybrid or they are all electric or something else. I haven't really done a hydrogen one. But anyway, the next one up I'm going to test out is called the Volkswagen ID4. This is their big electric car. I hope I can mention that. But I'm looking forward to testing that because there's just so many electric cars coming along. I'm in the market for a car in the next couple of years. And so when I do that, I'm still trying to decide, am I going to go full electric, which I'm leaning towards, or maybe, I don't know, we'll see. So that's my story. Stick into it. Let's get some, let's get to some of the news of the week. Um, let's see, what do we want to start with here? Let's start with, uh, well, gosh, there's not, is there not one big story this week? Maybe there isn't, I'm missing it, but, uh, Alexa can now answer your doorbell and ring. I I've talked about this in the podcast before, but I'm, I'm very, uh, I think it's bullish is bullish when you're, when you're hot on something. Uh, yeah. So I am bullish on Ring because what they are doing, I think, is leaps and bounds ahead of everyone else as far as a full kind of system. I mean, there's a million cool security systems out there. I use wait, uh, I use the Wise Cam. I've got some Nest Cams. But when you really look at, like, if you wanted a full solution for everything around your house, when you look at Ring, I mean, they've got so many products. It's like they're coming out with new stuff all the time. And so now they have this cool new feature, three new features, okay? They're called smart responses, and there's kind of three of them. So the first is Alexa greeting. So if you have a Ring Video Doorbell Pro and you're a Ring Protect subscriber, which you probably should be if you have a Ring because it's like three bucks a month and it gives you access to recordings. If not, then you can only live stream your camera, which would not be very good. Um, but Alexa can greet visitors when they ring the doorbell and then she can kind of go back and forth with them. So they, the person can say, you know, it'd be like, Hey, this is Alexa, can I help you? And it'll be like, Hey, I have a package for rich. And, and then she can say like, does it need a signature? And it can, you can even tell the delivery person where to put the package. So that's really cool. Then you've got quick replies. And this is for all of the doorbells from ring. And when you don't feel like answering or you're not there, it can leave six preset responses. Like, we can't answer the door right now, leave a message, uh, leave the package outside, or you can, you know, there's like six of these things, which I thought was really cool. Now, the catch here is that if they leave a, a recorded message, you'll only see it if, again, you're a Ring Protect subscriber. So otherwise, you know, if you look at a Ring video doorbell, it's good if you want to just watch out your front door when someone rings and get that live view. But the reality is you probably want a record of everyone that rings your doorbell or comes near it with the motion. So you, in that case, you need to be a Ring Protect subscriber and you can see your event history and these messages people are leaving. So that's cool. And finally, motion warnings. And this is just kind of a, a no-brainer one. Motion warnings say uh, an audible alert when someone triggers a recording. So if they come near one of your cameras, whether it's a spotlight cam, a floodlight cam, an indoor cam, or a wired doorbell, this only works with wired doorbells, it will say, warning, you're now being monitored and recorded by Ring. And that's a cool deterrent as well. And again, these are all really cool features. The problem is that they don't necessarily... Uh, work with everything. And so I think that's kind of the, you know, the only problem with these things is that you have to know exactly which doorbell you have 
and figure out which one of these things works with them because not everything works. And I understand why. I think because Ring has this thing where like a lot of its doorbells are battery powered and it can't just introduce all these features on battery powered doorbells. The battery would go dead in like a day. Cody says, hey, Rich, I'm looking for a reliable mobile faxing app that provides the best value. Can you please suggest one? I love watching your segments on KTLA. Thank you. Well, Cody, I have what I use, and what I have been using for a long time is uh, it's kind of a one-two punch. I don't really fax, but I do use a, um, I will sign things and then email them. So what I use for that is called Hello Fax if you need to fax something. And HelloFax is fantastic. I It's now owned by Dropbox, and it's great. And so if, I, I've never really had a problem with, with sending faxes. Like, I think it's always been free, but it's, uh, it's free for up to five fax pages. And then after that, it's $10 a month for up to 300 fax pages. Now, I don't really understand. I, I feel like I've never had to actually pay for it, but uh, maybe, I don't know. Let me look at what I use. So what I use, the other thing that I use is called Hello Sign. Again, same company, now owned by Dropbox. But that's, uh, you know, so the difference is Hello Sign, you sign it in your browser and then you download it or you email it. Whereas with Hello Fax, you would actually fax it out. So when I look at pricing for Hello Sign, yeah, th- okay, so you get, this is why I've never had to pay for Hello Sign because it's, three signature requests per month. And I've never had to use more than that. I mean, if I was, you know, I usually use this for like freelance gigs that I pick up here and there. So if I get a a freelance gig and I have to sign a contract for some sort of, you know, deal, like when I hosted CES, I will use HelloSign. And that's why I've never, I've never done more than three in a month. That would be an amazing thing. I don't think my schedule could handle more than three, but if I could, Hey, I mean, if you got a project, call me. But wow. Uh, so those are the two I recommend. Hello Sign and Hello Fax. Um, that's it. I mean, there's also eFax. I mean, that's been around forever and ever and ever. You can use that. And there are uh, some assorted apps on Android. There was one, I was actually at a doctor's office. This was so long ago. But I was at a doctor's office and I had something on my phone that they needed. Like, I don't know if it was a prescription or, you know, sometimes when you get a referral, you have to like show them. And they couldn't, look at it on my phone for some reason. They couldn't take an email, but they could take a fax. And so I said, all right, let me see if I can fax from my phone. And sure enough, I was able to fax from my phone and it worked great. And the person behind the desk was very impressed, even though they weren't as impressed as I wanted them to be. Cause I'm always like, Oh, can you, you know, like I really wanted. Yeah. So I'm looking for this on my library and I, in my Android and I can't really find it right off the top here because my kid has downloaded so many games that they're all taking up. I got to go through and clean that up. Anyway, I would I would just use those two. Hello Sign, Hello Fax, and I think those will be great for you. All right, let's go to, uh, let's see, some other news. Um, hmm, let's see here. Let's talk about, oh, you know what? Let me talk about the Echo Frames because I am obsessed. It has been so long that I've gotten a gadget where I just am like so infatuated with the gadget and the Amazon Echo Frames are that gadget. Now, I'm not saying you need to rush out and buy these. I'm not saying that you need to purchase these or, you know, anything, but I'm just saying this is where we're headed and it's so clear when I try a gadget like this that there is still a lot of room for things to just sort of 
amaze us in the future when it comes to technology. The last thing, you know, it's like the iPhone, the iPad, a couple things like that, little, you know, little gadgets here and there, but these are just magical. So they're a pair of glasses, $250. They've got speakers built in. They've got microphones built in. You charge them up and you put them on. And next thing you know, you've got hands-free access to Alexa, but you've also got these little speakers on your ears at all times. So that means you can listen to music. You can listen to podcasts. You can make phone calls. It syncs perfectly with your iPhone, syncs perfectly with Android. I tested it. You can activate Siri through it. Not hands-free, but you can... Um, tap on the side of the device. Yeah, Siri activated on my iPad here. No, please stop, go away. Um, but you can uh, activate you know who and also Google Assistant by tapping and holding on the side of the device and that works perfectly. So I've just been loving these things. I mean, I've, I've been walking around the block with them on, listening to podcasts, I've been working at my desk and the beauty of them is that there's nothing in your ears. So it does not feel like you're wearing headphones. And you wouldn't wear headphones at work all day. I don't know, maybe some people can wear them on their computer all day. I'm not one of those people. But with these, I can. And I can have nice ambient music. If I'm, you know, I can't really have too much going on if I'm trying to concentrate on, on jamming out a script or something. But if I'm just kind of casually browsing the web, looking at stories, reading stuff gently, then I could, you know, listen to some soft music, you know, like some instrumental stuff. Man, everything's just blown up on me right here. That was one of my stories. Uh, so I, I'm really impressed. 250, you can get your uh, your own prescription lenses put in them. And I just think they're really great. I think they are, they're, they're the second generation, so there's more to come. But if, if I wore glasses, I think that I would definitely get these. I don't wear glasses, so I don't necessarily need them. And the thing is, they send them with like window panes. But I think that they're missing an opportunity here to do like blue blocker. And I know I did a story and they said blue blockers don't really do anything. But I think that you would feel better knowing that you're wearing blue blocker glasses all day long versus just wearing window panes all day long, right? So why not just put a little blue blocker in there so that you get that? So I, I just really, really impressed. Battery life, audio quality could be a little bit improved, but so far so good. Amazon, very, very impressed, very lightweight. Just, just really, really cool. So um, just, just so impressed with those. I can't get over it. All right. Um, another thing that I tested out this week is the Tula mic. I think I talked about this, but this is a microphone that's a USB mic, but it also records into itself. So you can use it for your Zoom calls or you can use it to just record stuff. And it's a great little microphone. I love it. I think it sounds good. And I recorded a podcast episode in it a couple of weeks ago. I probably told you this story already, but it, I just think it's a really cool little mic. Again, it's $200, so it's expensive, but you do get a lot for that price. I mean, you get the internal memory recording. So let's say you want to record your podcast in the field. You just have to have this mic and that's it. Nothing else. I mean, how much easier does it get? You don't have to have a computer. You don't have to have a fancy setup. You just do that and it's done. So I, I thought that was really cool. Those are two gadgets I tested this week. I've got the reviews on my website, richontech.tv, if you want to read more about them. Let's get to another question. Gil says, oh my God, Rich, I love those Alexa glasses, but concerned about privacy issues. Isn't this another way of collecting more data about our personal activities and choices? Should we just accept the fact that nothing is sacred any longer? EGAD. What does EGAD mean? <laughs> I don't know. EGAD? I don't know. Uh, Gil. 
Have a magical day. Egad. I don't... Oh, expressing surprise, anger, or affirmation. Okay, I didn't... Egad. Okay, I learned something new today. Never saw that word. Okay, Gil, um, great segue from the... I just talked about these. Um, You know... Is it collecting more information? I'd have to look at the privacy policy of the Echo Frames to see, but to be completely honest with this stuff, you know what? I am one of those people that, yes, I am concerned about privacy. I think that we should have a, um, we should have privacy and we should have a respectable sort of understanding of that privacy when it comes to these smart devices. Like, a reasonable expectation, I should say. If you get one of these smart speakers in your home and you put it in your room, it should not, the the expectation is that it's not listening and sending all that data back 24-7 to Google or Amazon or Apple. But um, sometimes they do misfire and they do activate and they do catch things off guard. Now, are these Echo Frames collecting any more data? I don't know. I mean, they don't have GPS on them. Although I did notice that the Alexa app asked for my GPS location when I installed it on my Android. I don't know about iOS, but so it could, you know, if you're wearing them, it may know where you're wearing them and and how often and for how long. Um, Of course, the commands that you use. Um, So yes, there is definitely a privacy issue. And I think that when it comes to any of these smart home gadgets, you have to weigh the pros and the cons. Are the benefits you get out of these glasses worth the extra um, data that Amazon gets on you? And by that extra data, you know, it's, uh, like I said, some of the location data, some of the things you're asking. It may pick up things in the background that you didn't intend it to, but we have to decide what level we're comfortable with. Personally, I'm comfortable with a lot of that stuff. I think what I'm not comfortable with is things that collect uh, personal information like, um, you know, financing, banking, that kind of stuff is where I draw the line. I, I'm very critical about that. But when it comes to like where I am, where I'm using things, I'm not totally, totally concerned because, you know, I kind of, I'm getting something in return for some of the, uh, you know, some of the different services that I use. So, that's, I know it's not the best answer in the world, but the reality is we just kind of have to, every one of us just has to do what we feel is best. And I get people that say, I'll never put a Google device in my house because of this stuff. And I get other people that have a ton of them like myself. And again, it just depends on what your level of comfort is. So it's a good question. And it's something we do need to keep in mind. And when I do stories with any um, any, uh, you know, app developer or anything that I do a story on at this point, I do ask if I do an interview about the privacy implications of those devices. And, and that's just the reality of it. All right, let's, uh, let's see here. Let's talk about, um, let's just do a quick one. Disney plus 90, almost 95 million customers. In fact, they probably do have 95 million because, This was, uh, according to Variety, as of January 2nd, 2021, they had 94.9 million, which is more than 8 million extra in one month. So that tops Disney's original projections of having 90 million subscribers within the first four years. I think it's been just over a year, right? A year and a half. Um, So Disney Plus is killing it. And it's, it's amazing to see a company like Disney that people love and they've... They've done a great job in the historic world of 
entertainment. And I say historic when I, I mean like broadcast movies, that kind of stuff. And it's good to see a company that can just as nimbly adapt to the new reality of streaming of, you know, 24 seven access movies that are not going to theaters. They're just going straight to video and they're doing pretty well. So if you do 90, 95 million, um, times, uh, let's see, it's seven bucks a month, something like that. So that's, uh, so $665 million a month they are generating off of Disney plus. I'd call that a win. That is pretty good. Now, they pale in comparison to Netflix. I think Netflix has, I don't know. I don't, well, how many Netflix subscribers do they have? Let's see. This is, uh, let's see, they have, okay, 200, almost 200 million, so double. Okay, so they're doing pretty well. I mean, that's, that's pretty good for something that came out. You know, I, the trick of all these streaming services is that they just need to have one thing that you want to watch every single time you're ready to cancel. So if you're watching WandaVision right now, it's like you watch that and then, okay, oh, now there's a movie for my kids. Okay, we'll keep. And I don't think a lot of people are rushing to cancel Disney Plus just because it's Disney Plus and if you have kids, it's kind of a given. Netflix overall is kind of a given. I think, um, you know, Hulu, all the rest of them are sort of on a case-by-case basis. HBO Max is, is really picking up some steam. Now, I think that, uh, you know, for me personally, with the diversity of how many folks we have in the house, we have four different people, different ages, my wife, me, my two kids, and of course, all the assorted Klingons that are, that are <laughs> perhaps sharing my accounts in different places. Uh, you know, everyone has something that they're watching all the time. And so whenever I approach the, you know, let's cancel Netflix, uh-uh. Not canceling Netflix. Oh, let's cancel Disney Plus because there's nothing right now. No, we're not canceling that. Let's cancel Hulu. No, we're watching. I mean, my wife and I are watching this new show on Hulu. That's you know, it's just a, a silly show. It's called Call Your Call Your Mom, Call Your Mother. Yeah, Call Your Mother, and it's just silly. But we're watching it, and so it's like we're not going to cancel right now after episode three. We're just going to continue watching it. So I think that's kind of what all these things do. And the more stuff that they have, and this is why they're they have such an uh, you know, an emphasis on new programming is there's a lot of different people watching. And so you need to have stuff that appeals to different people because not everything's going to appeal to everyone. This is no longer broadcast networks with a show that, you know, appeals to the mass audience. There are so many little shows on Netflix to discover and Hulu and all these other services that, you know, one size does not fit all anymore. And sometimes if you have a hit that bubbles up, and does reach that mass market appeal, that's when you know you have a winner. And that's when you really, really seal the deal with folks because that's when, uh, you know, you're considered very successful. And that's really, it's not the goal, I would say, but when it happens, it's, it's a pretty good feeling. All right. All right, Bill writes in, Bill says, hey, Rich, I've been listening to your podcast for a relatively short time, but I've learned to pay attention to your advice. I have all Apple, seven-year-old MacBook Pro, two iPhones, and an ancient Mac Mini. I am looking for a password manager and malware destroyer. Uh, My son also has recommended WebRoot. I use Clean My Mac. I feel like I did this question already. (laughs) 
<laughs> did I do this question? I think I did this question already. I'm going to, so maybe we'll, I should keep track of the questions that I do because I'm looking at the date. Okay. This is weird. I'm looking at the date of this question and the original question was written to me on September 13th, which I can't, that can't be right. But then the update was written on Sunday, September 7th. He said, oh, I forgot to tell you I have a seven iPhone 7 and 8 plus. I don't know. You know, anyway, let's, let's see what the question is. Uh, I use Clean My Mac. My point is if I'm going to pay a fee monthly or annually, you know, I want something easy to use and effective. Thank you for all the help. So, okay. Malware Destroyer, I would say uh, Clean My Mac is a, great, is a great product and they do have some malware scanning stuff in there. I also think Malware Bytes is really good. So if I were you, I would use Clean My Mac on your Mac. You have, let's see, a seven-year-old MacBook Pro and an ancient Mac Mini. Now, when it comes to the iPhones, sorry to burst your bubble, but you don't need anything on there. There's no, there's nothing that's going to find malware on an iPhone. There's no antivirus that's going to work on there. It's just iPhone doesn't work that way. So don't worry about the iPhones. They're going to be just fine as long as you're not jailbreaking them, which I don't think you are. Uh, but the rest of them, yeah, I would definitely recommend Clean My Mac or Malware Bytes. Maybe start with Malware Bytes. I think they have a free version and then move up to Clean My Mac because you um, there is a subscription aspect to Clean My Mac and you can either do SetApp, which is, you, you said that in your email, which is kind of a recurring subscription. I think it's $10 a month or you can just pay one time or you can pay for the year. So you have to decide, you know, how much you want this and, and how many devices you want to install it on and how much you're willing to pay. But that is what I would recommend. All right, just a quick, uh, quick note. This is uh, a little bit of news out of Visible. Visible is a service that I fully, fully recommend. There are two um, alternative carriers that I really like. One of them is Mint Mobile. The other one is Visible. And I also like Cricket as well. And these carriers, the, the, what's unique about them, Cricket and Visible are both sort of, I don't know if Cricket, I think Cricket's a subsidiary of um, AT&T. I know they run on AT&T. Is Cricket owned by AT&T? Owned by AT&T. I think it is. Uh, you know what? Cricket, yeah, Cricket is owned by AT&T. So you've got Cricket that's owned by AT&T, then you've got Visible that's owned by Verizon. And the thing about these carriers is that they have a whole separate brand identity so that they um, can operate sort of independently, but they're using the AT&T network and they're using the, the Verizon network in the case of Visible. So, uh, and Mint use, is not owned by T-Mobile, but they use T-Mobile's network. So it kind of depends which network you want, which one's the strongest in your area. But Visible is really, really cool because it's unlimited for $40 a month. And now they're offering 5G. So uh, it's capped up to 200 megabits per second. But I mean, hey, it's 5G and you get, you get that fast speed. It used to be Visible was capped at uh, five megabits per second. So 200 is pretty good. And now you get calling to Canada, Mexico, U.S. Virgin Islands, and Puerto Rico. And I think what the most important thing they have in their new announcement is eSIM compatibility. So it used to be the biggest problem with setting up Visible is that you had to get one of their SIM cards. And for the average person that's doing this, that's a little tricky. Like, you know, it's, it's not something that everyone's familiar with. It's not something that makes a lot of sense to people. Plus, you have to wait. So there's no impulse buy for Visible. You can't just say, I'm going to switch today. You have to do all this research, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, now i got to wait a couple days to get this SIM card. And it kind of takes the, the fun out of it. 
So now with eSIM, you can activate a device from home 15 minutes or less using an eSIM compatible device. Those devices right now include pretty much all the recent iPhones from the iPhone XS to the 12 Pro Max. Also the second gen iPhone SE. And then they say that Androids are coming soon. So I think this is a huge win for Visible that they're embracing the eSIM because now you can kind of hear about Visible for me right now on this podcast and then look on your iPhone, do the research, see if it works for you, and boom, you can switch instantly right from your iPhone. If you have an iPhone XS, XS Max, XR, 11, 12, SE, I mean, any of those phones you can just switch right away in your settings. That's really, really cool. And you basically, I think you just scan a QR code in your settings. So the other neat thing about Visible is that you can have up to four people in your, they call it a party. This is kind of like you just group up with friends or family and you don't pay each other's bills, but you're sort of just like in a group and you take down your bill by $5 a month. So if you have, let's say you join Visible and you love it and then you tell your brother that, oh my gosh, you need to join this. And here's my little referral thing. Not a referral. It's just you, you party up. I don't know how you do it. You link up in the, in the settings, I'm guessing. And now you each pay $35 a month. And then you say to your sister, hey, we're both on this. This is really cool. Why don't you join in? And now she pays $30 a month and you pay $30 a month. And you all pay $30. So it's kind of like a, you're linking up together and keeping each other all on this system. And I guess that's kind of the the difference between a referral and you're all sticking to this. If one person drops out of the party, everyone's price goes up. So there's a little peer pressure to sort of all stay on board. And uh, I, I don't know. I got my brother to join Visible and he loves it. The only thing is, this is the big downside and this is why I haven't signed up my wife because I would 100% sign her up for this tomorrow. The problem is, and save like 90 to 80, uh, what, about 50 bucks a month on Verizon, is that they don't support Apple Watches. Now, they should, but they don't. And so that's the only thing keeping me from signing up my wife for Visible. I would actually probably sign up now as well. Now that they support 5G, I don't need more than 200 megabits. I mean, yeah, it's nice sometimes when you're out and about and you get these super fast 5G speeds, but 200 megabits per second is plenty fast for me. So anyway, check out Visible. If you uh, are looking to switch carriers, want to save some money, prepaid for everything for 40 bucks a month. I mean, that's that's pretty darn good. So All right. Uh, Bonnie says, I'm getting the COVID shot and I want to know if there's any apps out there that are accepted for travel outside of the United States. I would like to start traveling and want to know what app I should have on my phone, Android, to show that I received the shot. Thank you for any help you can provide. I can't find any app online yet as most vendors seem to be working on process. Yeah, Bonnie, there is nothing that I know of right now that is a universally accepted COVID vaccine pass card that you can have on your phone. So if you are getting the vaccine or got it, you'll get a little card from the CDC. You see a lot of people tweeting them. That right now is your only proof of getting the shot. Now, as a tech person, I, of course, 100% agree with what you're talking about. There should be a card on both uh, Google Wallet or Google Play, or sorry, Google Pay, and also Apple Wallet that you would show and it would be have a digital barcode that they can scan and verify. Now, I don't know why this wasn't done from day one. 
I mean, if I was in the government and I was giving out these shots, I would say, hey, we're a high-tech world. We're a high-tech society. Like, let's get this card that all the countries agree on is acceptable. And let's get uh, a barcode that links it back to the CDC. And I don't know, maybe that's too big government. I don't know. I mean, all I'm saying is that it would, you know, it would be nice to have that card. I've seen a couple, uh, you know, friends and family get them. I haven't gotten the vaccine yet, but I've seen friends and family get them that, you know, it's a CDC card. And that's it. It's like if you if you have kids and they get the vaccine at their doctor, they have this little card. It's like a, a yellow card that folds. And my kids have had it since, you know, since they were born. I mean, how antiquated is that? That someone literally signs a little card that says your kid got a vaccine. And I think they might put a little sticker from the vaccine vial on it, maybe. But it's like, you got to keep that. Well, it's just so like, come on, that's so old school. Let's get... Let's at least have an option where you can have the card, the old school cardboard card, but also a card on your iPhone. That would be fantastic. That's what I would like. And if you had that, yeah, then you, you go to the airport, boom. You know, you're traveling to Hawaii, you show them your card. You're, hey, I'm vaccinated. And yes, there's going to be a lot of fraud with this stuff. I think people are probably faking this stuff already or in the future, if it's required for various things, people will be faking it. But, um, you know, we gotta, we gotta think high tech. We gotta, and I get it. Not everyone wants this stuff, but you can also have both ways. And uh, if you have the card, the physical card, and an option to put it into your Apple Wallet, I think that would be really, really cool. All right, uh, Apple Watch now on a hundred million wrists. This is from AboveAvalon.com. Five and a half years, a uh, hundred million people are wearing it. That's pretty impressive. At the end of 2020, approximately 10% of iPhone users were wearing an Apple Watch. That is uh, amazing. Now, this is what I don't understand. How, how does this make sense? At the end of 2020, approximately 10% of iPhone users were wearing an Apple Watch. Then it says, at the end of 2020, approximately 35% of iPhone users, oh, in the U.S. Okay, got it. So 35% of the iPhone users in the U.S. are wearing an Apple Watch. That's pretty impressive. Uh, let's see. So what is driving adoption? F wearables fundamentals, leveraging new form factors and design. They're making technology more personal. I would totally agree with that. Like, you know, ring is a perfect example. I mean, here it is when someone is near my front door, I literally get a picture of them sent to my Apple watch. I mean, how cool is that? It's just, and it's instantaneous, it's fast. And it's one of those things where, yeah, it could be sent to your phone, but I'm in my house. I don't always have my phone near nearby or on me. And so of course I would miss that all the time. But by getting that little picture sent to my watch, it's like, okay, takes two seconds. You look at your wrist, you say, oh, okay, cool. Someone's outside, just got my mail delivered. Wrist appeal, everything for a uh, great line of sight for snippets of text and data. Um, the cool factor, Apple ecosystem. I agree when I go running and I've got the Apple watch along with the AirPods, that is a, it, I can't say, and I've talked about it before on this podcast. It's just an amazing combination. It just works so well. Although I have been having problems with my AirPods lately. They, they little, little more unreliable than they ever have been. But anyway, Apple watch continues to get more popular. I, I know that the last couple Apple events, they've mentioned how, you know, it is like not just the most popular smartwatch in the world, but like one of the most popular watches in the world at this point, which is great for Apple because it's a, it's a huge growth area. I mean, I think every person I know that gets an Apple watch just absolutely falls in love with it, except for one person I know. He doesn't really wear it that much, but for the most, uh, most people I know, 
I mean, they really, really love the Apple Watch, and it's it's pretty easy to understand why. It's just a great device that complements your phone in so many different ways. I mean, just little things like when I'm out and about, and you know, let's say my phone is in the other room, and someone calls me, and I can just answer the call on my Apple Watch real quick. That is great. If I'm out on a run, I I can run without my phone because I've got a cellular connection. So. Uh, it's just it's just pretty wild the things that they have done on this watch that uh, I, I think is is just really really amazing. All right, a couple other stories here. There's so many little stories. Uh, let's see. This is a cool website. One thousand dot in. One thousand dot in. This is a website that tells you how much would you have if you invested one thousand dollars in an IPO. Now, I've probably told you this story before. I I feel like I'm telling a lot of stories over. I've been doing this podcast for a long time. So sometimes I tell stories over and over. But I will never forget. I was, okay, so anyway, this I'll tell you the story in a second. But this website, 1000in, tells you, you put in a stock ticker symbol, and it tells you how much you would have if you put $1,000 in their IPO. So for instance, Netflix, if you put $1,000 in, oh my gosh, if you put $1,000 in Netflix on May 23rd, 2002, now mind you, $1,000 is a lot of money, but it doesn't sound like that much money when you're talking about investing, okay? 1000 bucks. Are you ready? You would have, as of February 12th, 2021, the day I'm recording this, $477,850. Oh, hold on, wrong one. That's... That is just, I'm, I'm shocked right now. $1,000 would become $500,000. You could retire <laughs> or just be very comfortable with your retirement if you were, you know, oh my gosh, that's almost 20 years later, 500,000 bucks, a return of 47,685%. Okay, so with that in mind, this is just a fun website where you can just type in a bunch of different ticker symbols and see what the deal is. But I'll tell you my story. So I'll never forget, I was in Shreveport, Louisiana, working as a lowly, lowly paid reporter um, at the station there. I was very happy, but you know, you don't make a lot of money when you're when you're in you know reporting in general, but small markets especially. But uh, I you know, but I had a couple. A little bit of money to my name, right? I'd saved a little bit of money, and I'll never forget. There's a company called Google that was IPOing, and I asked my wife. I said, "Hey, uh, my, my girlfriend at the time." I said, "Lynn, this company called Google, which you know we know, we've heard of, is is IPOing, and I think it was about forty two dollars for the IPO." I said, "Should I put a couple thousand bucks into this?" And that's all I had to my whole name. Might have been like two or three thousand dollars. Uh, and she said, Oh, rich, come on. Like, what if you lose it all? Like, you know, come on, we're not in a place to do that. And I said, Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Now, mind you, as a reporter, I don't generally invest. In fact, I have no individual stocks, especially covering technology back then. I wasn't covering technology, but now I don't, as a rule, don't have any individual stocks. I'm not sure if I'm even allowed to, I don't know. I'd have to check with my company, but in general, I just do like mutual funds, right? Like just put the money in there, 401k, whatever. But this was a time in my life when I was like, let me, let me try this. And so anyway, we didn't do it. And now, thanks to this website, let's see. So Google, okay, this makes perfect sense because it says if you would have invested $1,000 in Alphabet stocks back in August 19th, 2004. So that exactly lines up with my story. That is when I was in Louisiana, 2004. 
And we left right at the uh, the end of that for the, the we left the next summer in 2005. And so, yes, my story was true. I would have $41,665. Now, when you look at that compared to Netflix, I should have invested in Netflix, not Google, but I didn't invest in either, so it doesn't matter. But still, again, I, I'll be honest, 41665 sounds great, but when you compare it to Netflix, you get 10 times that. So I don't feel like I lost out that much. I mean, it would have been nice, but okay, yeah, sure. I, I wish I had this, but still. Um, anyway, 1000.in, I'll put it in the show notes. Just a cool little, you know, site that can let you reminisce about all those times you lost out. I, you know, look, and if you want to do the individual, individual stock thing, that's fine. I don't, I don't believe me. I don't fault you for it. To me personally, I just, I don't have the, the time and effort to in, invest in those individual stocks. I just can't, I'm not smart enough to do that. You know, it's like, I just, there are so many smart people out there that, that do this for a living. How can I expect to like outdo them? So I'd rather just, you know, put the money in the mutual fund, let it sit there and hopefully one day have some money uh, for retirement. All right, let's get to another question from Diana. Diana says, Hey Rich, we're senior citizens in Sacramento and watch your segment often. I have a question for you. We have a paid for McAfee on our computers for almost two years. Every three to six months, we have a hacking issue and they convince us to purchase more coverage after telling us this is all we need. This is what we've purchased. Prescription. <laughs> Prescription. What's that? Firewall hacker protection, IP blocker, and now a hacker blocker. Is this common? Would Norton be better? Sorry, I'm laughing. We are not that tech savvy and it just seems to be too much. It costs us anywhere from $200 to $1,000 every time we call them. Do you have any advice for us? Uh, yeah, my advice is get rid of this. This is insane. How much are you spending on this stuff? Oh my gosh, 200 to $1,000? That is wild. I don't even understand what you're purchasing. Do they even give you the pricing on this stuff on their website? Wow. Um, you know... I, I don't know. Wow. I'm, I'm like in shock right now. Um, why do you have so many problems with hacking? I mean, I don't think you should. I think that either these are scams that you're falling for. Um, every three to six months, we have a hacking issue. Wow. Okay. Um, what I would do, I would scan your computers to make sure that there's nothing going on there. Uh, your network Oh, gosh, this is just so... I, I Since you're not tech savvy, I think it's tough to... Did you say you're not tech savvy? I mean, you just said you're a senior. You didn't say you're not tech savvy. But ah, I think that you're getting a little bit taken here because this is a lot of money to spend. And I think you just need to cut it off. Stop with the subscriptions. Stop with the purchases. No more, no more, no more. This is just a bit much. A hacker blocker, an IP blocker, a firewall hacker protection. Let me see. What is firewall hacker protection McAfee? Let me even see if they have that. McAfee firewall. Okay. Yeah, there's just too many too many things. Oh, wow. Man, there's just too many things that are offered here. I mean, I, I would say get, get the one product, you know, like a total protection. This says it's $29.99 total protection McAfee for the year. That includes security, premium antivirus, safe browsing, ID theft, and secure VPN. 
That's what I would do. I don't think you need to spend $200 to $1,000 every time. That just seems wild. That is just way too much. I think that you're paying this money to someone that, that's scamming you. I don't think that these, this is McAfee that's actually charging you for this stuff. I think that it's someone else. So, um, yeah, I, I think that you, uh, you just, you got to figure, <laughs> you got to, you got to dial this back. Just stop paying for it. Don't do it. Don't answer the phone. When someone says you, you have a hacking situation or if there's software or something pops up on your computer, uh, unless it's like a ransomware thing, that should not be happening. I would make sure your computer software is up to date. I would make sure whatever software you're running on your computer, just pick one and stick with it. If you have Windows 10, I think you're fine with just the Windows Defender that's built into your computer and maybe just uninstall this McAfee stuff completely. But uh, I don't think you're getting hacked every three to six months. I just don't really see that happening. So sorry to hear that. And uh, hopefully you are doing okay there in Sacramento. Thanks for watching this segment, by the way. This is uh, the Roku channel moving on now. Roku channel is Roku's, uh, you know, free programming play that you can get on Roku. They also have a Roku channel app that's available for iOS and Android. But I was not, I was familiar with Roku channel. I mean, I, I get the concept. It's got free movies and TV shows. But they just came out with 13 new channels, live channels, that this part of it I was not aware of. They basically have a cable TV service built into the Roku channel with, I mean, it literally looks like cable TV when you dial it up on your Roku. And I dialed this up and they've got 13 new channels, including Baby Shark, Bloomberg, Western movies, Hallmark movies, which a lot of people would be interested in. Then they have 80s music, 90s music, country music, hip hop music, hottest music, and some other channels as well. And so I looked this up on my Roku and I, I'm very impressed. I mean, it's a lot of, it's literally cable TV for free on your Roku. So you flip through and I've got it on right now. It's just literally like everything. You've got NBC News, Weather Channel, Newsy, USA Today, uh, Yahoo, Reuters, Cheddar. And that's just like the news stuff. Then you get into sports. Then you get into like entertainment, MTV, CMT, uh, I wonder if Pluto is powering this because uh, some of the channels are from Pluto. Then you've got classic shows. Then you've got, you know, retro shows. Then you've got science. You've got movie channels. I mean, this is very, very impressive. And it's all impressive uh, if you don't mind commercials in your programming. This is all ad supported. So that's the way they pay for all this stuff. But if you don't mind that and you're just looking for free stuff to watch, this is, this is quite impressive. It's literally cable TV and you don't have to pay a dime. It's just, as long as you've got an internet connection, you've got it. They've got kids channels, stuff for kids to watch. They've got Spanish language programming. They've got like DIY stuff, like home and family kind of, or uh, what's not home and family, home HGTV. They've got fashion, GQ channel, crime channels, celebrity, science, wired. They've got a channel just dedicated to deal or no deal. America's got talent, family feud. Those are channels. So you can just watch family feud all day long. This is really interesting. So 
America's Funniest Home Videos, you could just have that streaming all day long. America's Funniest Home Videos, they've got a Fireman Sam channel. If you have kids, you know Fireman Sam. So I was very impressed with this. And if you have a Roku, check it out because they've got 13 channels that are new, but they've got like a hundred and, I think it's like 150 channels total. So it, it's like kind of Pluto TV, all these things. The, the funny thing is, is that they're running these things as a, as a, as a cable TV grid. So there is no reason in the world that they need to be streaming this stuff as a program guide or presenting it in that way, but we're so used to that. It feels fun to flip through channels. People like to flip through channels. So now I'm just pressing up and I'm flipping through a channel. And these are live streaming, but they're just basically videos that are linked together all in a row that are just playing one after another. And a lot of them are old TV shows. I mean, it, it's very impressive. I, I've said that like seven times, but I'm, it's literally like having cable TV for free. I mean, they've got MTV. They've got so much stuff. I just got back to, to the first channel. But even the channel numbers, like channel 145 is USA Today. Channel 160 is Reuters. Channel 171, now this news. I mean, it's just wild that you can get all this for free. And again, it's just all ad supported. So it's kind of like having cable TV if you're into that. Now, personally, I'm not into just sitting back and uh, watching stuff that's streaming. I want to kind of select, unless it's news, I want to select what I'm watching at any given time. But I also see the beauty of this, uh, like especially the kids channels. So they've got, you know, a bunch of kids channels here that, you know, play kids programming all day long. And so if you want your kids to sit and watch something that's appropriate for their age, you can. They've got a Lego channel. They've got Ryan's World. You know, that Ryan kid on uh, YouTube, he has his own channel. And so, and I also see the benefit of, I, I come from the old days of TV where things just played. And honestly, it is a little disturbing to me that when I put on my Apple TV in the living room, nothing starts, like nothing, nothing happens. You know, you have to sit there and choose something. And so sometimes I will just put on the news in the background because I want something playing or I'll put on YouTube in the background because I just want something playing at all times. And I think there's a lot of us out there. It's just comforting to have that live stream of something playing on your TV. It's like, it's kind of an older way of thinking about things, but it's kind of what I grew up with. You just had TV on all the time in the background. And I think that Nowadays, everything's on demand and it's streaming, but it's still, there's something to be said for just that, that comfort of knowing that things are just on. And that's exactly what this is. You've got a kid's bop channel. I mean, just wild, pretty, pretty neat. Um, some of the channels, the quality is not that great on some of the, uh, the lesser channels, but some of the, the, the programming that you can tell that they've put more into it's, it's a little bit higher quality. So anyway. Wow, this question perfectly segues into what I just talked about, or segues from, I should say. Olivia, via Instagram, at Rich on Tech says, do you know about an app for Wi-Fi slash internet-free radio for the iPhone? And the answer to that question, Olivia, is no. As far as I know, there is no support for an internal antenna or an external antenna. Well, maybe there's an external. No, probably not. Maybe external. Uh, for Wi-Fi and internet-free radio. So um, I don't. I know that the Android phones have that very often, which um, you can listen to various radio stations through and in, in basically just an app on the Android devices. You don't need to have any sort of internet connection. The last phone I tested that had this was the TCL 10 series. 
And it's such a little thing, but it's such a cool thing because not everyone has an unlimited data connection. Not everyone has access to full on data and not everyone wants to just use their data at all times. So if you can just call up this app, you have to plug in headphones because that's how it gets the antenna, but it uses the, the wire in your headphones as its antenna signal and it literally just pulls the signal out of the air, just like radio. And you can listen to this on your phone. And there's only, it's always been a big debate because some cell phone carriers, like, okay, let's say you have a Samsung, I think, supported it back in the day, or just various carriers supported, or various phones supported it. But you would get the phone, and let's say on, I don't know, just picking a carrier, like Sprint would have support for this, you know, radio stations on your phone through the, over the air, but Verizon would not. And it was kind of a big differentiating factor back when phones were very much locked down and very much, especially on Android, they were very much customized for the carriers. Now we're seeing a lot less of that. We're seeing much more of like unlocked devices and devices that, you know, carriers put a little touch on them, but they don't necessarily change the whole, like we're not seeing like the Droid Bionics anymore. Remember when Droids came out, they were a Verizon exclusive Android. And we're now seeing like, you know, Samsung especially, it's like the the Samsung S21 comes out on every carrier. It's pretty much the same. There might be a couple little tweaks here and there, but the, the software primarily is different, but for the most part, it's the same. Maybe a different processor in different regions. But yeah, I don't know of a way that you can get that on Apple ever, but I know that on Android, depending on your device, you could get that. But let's see, did you specify what you have? Uh, no, yeah, you said iPhone. So yeah, we don't have that for iPhone, but good question. And, uh, it's one of those little things that's just kind of cool to have, you know, if you're ever in a place where you didn't have data or no data signal, you can still listen to radio. So kind of cool. All right. We got just a little bit more time here. A couple little quick hits, uh, Instagram, you know how you see those, uh, TikTok videos all over Instagram and reels. Well, that's going to start changing because Instagram is going to start demoting videos that have a watermark that are covered with text that are blurry, that have a logo or have a border around them. So they're not going to be shown as frequently as uh, some of the original content that is made inside Reels. And, and this is, you know, they didn't specifically say TikTok, but they said, you know, blurry, have a watermark or logo. And if you look at all the TikTok videos, when you download a TikTok video, it comes out with the TikTok watermark on it. And this was for growth so that TikTok can grow and people know where this video came from. But what happens is that a lot of people that are big on TikTok or like the the creation features, because TikTok is really like one of the most amazing editing apps out there on mobile. I mean, it's really, really amazing for short form content. They have so many cool features in there. So people use that to make the content and then they download it or they put it on TikTok and they download it and they'll also ship it off to Instagram. But you can understand why Instagram doesn't like that because it's like, oh, we're not good enough to make original stuff. We want to be known for our original content. And so uh, that's, that's going to be happening and just be on the lookout for less TikTok videos. If you start seeing less TikTok videos in Instagram, you know why. On Google Photos, this is really cool. Google Photos is now applying a lot of their magic to videos. So if you have a video you need to edit in Google Photos, you can do it. You can trim your video. You can stabilize it. This is things you've been able to do before. You can always trim it. You can always stabilize and always rotate it. But now you can crop your video. 
change the perspective, add filters, and apply edits like brightness, contrast, saturation, and warmth. There's 30 controls that you can do on the, uh, on the Google Photos app. Now, the new video editing features are already available in Google Photos on iOS. I checked. Yes, they are. And they're rolling out to Android users in the next few weeks. And uh, let's see. I checked on my Android, and let's see if it's there yet. Um, what's really cool is that these are pretty powerful fil- uh, features, like editing features. Now, I still think, okay, yeah, it's not here on my Android just yet. But the cool thing is that you can export a frame. And this is a feature that I've actually needed because a lot of times when you need a thumbnail for your video, it's kind of a pain to like, you got to grab a screenshot and then crop it. But with this feature, you can just press export frame and boom, you've got a nice, uh, great, a perfectly perfect exported frame of your video that you can use for social media if you want to like tweet about your video or something. Um, The other thing they're doing is some of the features are just exclusive for Google One members, but I'm not going to get into that because that's kind of a a little thing. But I think that the video editor is really cool. I think on Android, this is something that's been poorly missing. On iOS, I don't think it's as necessary because iOS has such a good video editor built in. I'm not even sure why you'd ever use the Google Photos app one, but the, the photo editors on Android historically have not been as good. So I'm really glad that uh, Google is looking into making that a lot better. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Yep, there it is. That's the music that signifies... That's going to do it for this episode of the show. If you would like to submit a question for me to answer, you can do it in a few different ways. Just go to richontech.tv, scroll all the way down, and you can see a little email button. You can press that, send me an email, and go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash richontech. There's a big email button there. Um, or you can go to richontech.tv slash podcast and hit the microphone button to leave a voicemail. Also, would love it if you would rate and review this podcast to help other people discover it. Just go to uh, iTunes or what do they call it now? Just podcasts. I don't know. Just go there and and rate and review it. That'll be a, you know, people, I think people look up reviews of podcasts. I don't know. I, I mean, do I look at them? Let me think. No, if I hear a podcast, I just kind of listen to it. If I want to, if there's a good guest or something, that's how I kind of, or if someone is doing the podcast I like, I'll just listen to it. But anyway, I think it helps for people to discover us. So, or me, just do it. That was not a very good, uh, <laughs> was that very convincing to actually go and take the time to rate it? I know it just, I just personally like it. Okay. That's, that's the real truth. You can find me at rich on tech on all social media platforms. My name is rich Demiro. Thanks so much for listening. I do appreciate it. Stay safe. Uh, I will talk to you real soon. Take care.